listeners, and welcome back into another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very wonderful guest in store for you today. Joining us, we have the playwright, composer, and lyricist, Christina Hemphill, whose show, A Symphony for Portland, will be coming to New York again later this fall after having a fantastic run last summer at the Players Theater. But today we have Christina with us to talk about this wonderful show. So, Christina, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to be having you. This was one of the shows I sadly was not able to make due to some circumstances in my life. And I'm over the moon about what this show's about, the style the show's written in, everything about it. It sounds so fascinating. So I'm very excited that it's coming back to New York this fall. And I would love if you would tell us all a little bit about this show, A Symphony for Portland. Well, A Symphony for Portland, first off, there's like, there's hookers in there and there's sex traffickers and homeless young adults. And and it's a Christmas story. So, you know, it's just kind of unexpected, but, you know, because Christmas stories are easy. And my particular story it has a happy ending. Well, most Christmas stories have like happy stories, happy endings, happy city they live in. Mine's set and more realistic in the waterfront park of, of Portland, Oregon, where I used to live across from. And it's about the day when one of these kids stands up to the sex trafficker and it follows them uh, through nine months from a spring to Christmas time and tells a story about it's It's basically that. But it deals more with the reality of being homeless with the strong, strong themes of faith, faith, family, and forgiveness. And even though it's sad, there's such a happy uplift at the ending that people have told me that they walk away feeling hopeful and it, that it was a, they need to share it. And I, I, so I hope that helps. <laughs> so how did you come up with the idea for the show? Well, I did live in Oregon for, uh, well, I lived in Washington State across from Oregon. And one day I was picking up my husband and he was late. And so this homeless person came up to me and I used to be a paramedic in Texas. And for years we dealt, run a lot of calls on homeless people. And they're usually much, very old people, you know, like old, but they're in their fifties or whatever. And they're been homeless for a long time. And when I looked up to this young man's face, I was just appalled at how young he was. He, he could have been my son. So I went home and started researching as to why there's so many homeless people that are in that age group in anywhere, especially in Portland. And I thought I had to do something. Well, I'm a musician. So I thought, well, I'll write something. And I wrote this string piece uh, called a symphony for Portland and it's in three movements and it made me feel better, but it did nothing <laughs> that was positive to make a change. So then I saw this competition for to write a Christmas carol and it would, they were going to award you money and, record it and everything. I thought, well, any money I got from that competition, if I won, I could donate to one of the shelters for teens in Portland that I had been donating to. And so I was working on that. And I was in the Larry and I was anyhow, I was in Texas with my oldest daughter. She was getting ready to have a, have a, her baby. And she was at the doctor's getting one more sign, sonogram because she was late. She was a week late. And so I'm sitting there working on the lyrics. I mean, I've done the lyrics. So I'm trying to set it to music. It's, and it's, Comparing a homeless woman in a warehouse giving birth, at the, you know, with the idea of the setting of, of the Christmas story, giving birth in a stable. And so I was writing, in a warehouse lays a girl without a home. And it talks about how she, you know, and that whole thing. And I'm working on this when my daughter calls me up and I expect her to tell me they're on their way to the hospital to have the baby. And she calls me up and says the baby has died. And 
I, I just, I just knew in that moment that this story was, I had to tell it. It was, and I realized that even wasn't the method. I could write a play. I could make this something bigger. But of course, I had to sit on it for a while. The lullaby that's in the show is the lullaby that I wrote for that Christmas carol, which was the lullaby I was writing to sing to my first grandson. So if you ever see the show and you hear the lullaby, you'll go, oh, but, but it's okay because good things and happiness does come to people. And even when people grieve and grief is an element of the show, but that's why I wrote it because I wanted to make, the more I researched about homelessness, the more I wanted to make families not lose hope. And so my, you know, just, a, it was just, I thought if I could get people to come to the show and find that hope that they can go on and love their kids, especially their LGBTQ kids and not kick them out and make them homeless. Cause that's a huge cause of homelessness and teenagers. I wanted this show to be that difference. And that's how it started. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, as I've mentioned, you, you know, this, the show has played here in New York and, and when we spoke off air there, there's a few uh, readings coming up before you come here to New York again, what has it been like developing this show? It's been, a, it's been a big process. I've enjoyed it, but it's not something at my age that I was, I thought I would be doing. And so it's, it's a learning process. You know, there's been a stage reading in 2017. We, I had, it was, I had a couple of Zoomcast versions of it. I applied to the Rave Theater Festival in New York and it was canceled by COVID. I was a semifinalist for that. And then I got applied for this residency and was at the Players Theater this past August because of that. So it's been a real, it's an enjoyable, but very stressful. It's a money sucking process. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, it's difficult, but it's, it's fun. I have enjoyed learning something new. I love that. Well, so what is the message or the thought you're hoping your audiences will take away from this? I, I really want, you know, for... I want them to have a sense of hope that the life, no matter how hard it can be, you can get through it. And my characters go through really rough times and they come out, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's some dark themes. I mean, there's in, in the show and people, when they first hear that, they go, well, I don't know if I want to see it, but you know, like there's sex trafficking and homelessness among young people. And a, a gay young man is homeless in my show because he was kicked out for being gay. There's these heartbreaking things that go on with these young people, but in the end, there's this, it, it, I try to prove that, and of course, part of my faith belief, but that faith, family, forgiveness can get you through stuff. And that most importantly, not to give up. See the show, get inspired like the old movies and, and Broadway shows and stuff used to inspire us. Get inspired to know that, that um, just this powerful three words of I love you can save a child's life and refocus your family every day. I love you. And makes a big difference. And maybe sometimes a parent will come to the show and they'll realize, well, maybe I'm the one who's messing up here. Maybe I need to look at my addictions and my anger issues. I, I want to just try to get some kind of inspiration or change. That's what I hope people take from it. That, yeah, sure. I, I really hope they feel better. It's a joyful story at the end. But I really hope that somebody, if they need it, finds that hope to move on to the next step to make their life and their family's life better. Oh my gosh. Yes. My final question for this first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to this show? Well, my, my targeted audience is families of teenagers. I don't think the show will go well in a high school setting, but I see it as some kind of a community 
thing where I would like to tour it and then go into a community and say, hey, parents, you know, go talk to the local PTO or and is that the right group? And then the school boards and stuff and say, I've got the show. I want to bring the local resources to be there during the intermission so that when your family comes out, they can find what the local resources are and they can pick up brochures, whatever. But this is a show that's important. And it, I hope it will open up conversations. Maybe you really need to talk to your 13-year-old that's got her eyes on an 18-year-old guy. You know, these things are dangerous for children. And it's not just, you know, all these different things that people a lot of times, because they're afraid of them, don't want to bring them up to, with their family, or they're so wrapped around some religious notion that that it, it's evil and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want it in their house. So that's my honest. I want, that's to the people I hope I can access. Are there, are, are, are families with teenagers preteens, especially, that's my big target audience. So I want to shift gears a little now, and I want to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. I want to start by asking you what composers, playwright shows have inspired you. What are some of your favorites even? I, my, my, my favorite show has to be Camelot. And I'm really excited to, to know it's coming to Broadway. And I hope I get to see it on Broadway. My brother used to play records. He's eight years older than I am. And he would start off setting up his record player to, to play all these Broadway shows. And I grew up listening to all that music. But I, I've really been inspired. Composers, I'm a, I'm a classic organist, so I have to say Bach, but I, I in classical pieces like Copeland and it's absolutely my favorite. I, I'm a big fan of Billy Joel's more piano works, but Broadway-wise or, or theater-wise, I, I really like Pasek and Paul, you know, with The Greatest Showman. I, it's just, I have, I, I just think that was, that was just one of the most incredible things I've seen. And I love their style of music. It just, it's enthusiastic. It's, it, it gets you to, you want to get up and dance. You just want to get up and move. I'm trying to think. I, I did see Camelot in high school, and it was at Starlight Musicals in Indianapolis where I grew up. And I think Jack Cassidy played King Arthur. I think that's who it was. And it was just, my mom said he had played Lancelot when he was a younger man. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of my favorites. I have other shows. I, I, I Recently, most I've been focusing on shows that are my, uh, com, my contemporary writers that belong to the groups I belong to. And I know there's some coming up, like one in a million dollar musical from Kevin Davis Ocean at Teacup by Joel Krantz. They've been out there and they, they both were off, off Broadway last year. And those are really, really wonderful shows. And there's some other ones coming up, but I, I'm kind of drawn a blank. <laughs> I know the first Broadway show I saw on stage, actually, because I don't live in New York, was Davenport's getting the band back together. And I thought that was wonderful. I, my son and I just had the best evening ever. And it was the first time I saw a show on, on actually in New York on Broadway. Well, on that note, have you seen any great theater that you might be able to recommend to our listeners, even if it's back where you're at? I have to admit that I haven't seen a lot in the past several years because I've been so focused on my show and taking care of things at home. I I really I've seen most of the shows I've seen are already they're not on Broadway. They're 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 coming up or they they're in New York or something like David Quang Pham's Ellipses was had a stage reading with the Milky Way Theater Festival. Kevin Davis, as I said, the one million dollar musical. Nicolette Blantz is doing a musical, and she's in, she was in production in development, and her show is based on her grandmother Wanda Savage, who was a Native American that got pulled into Hollywood, 
And that show's called Savage. That's coming up. I think these are going to be great shows. And these are people I actually know. And as I said, Joel Kranz's Ocean Teacup, which was, um, it's part of Kate Camerata's Great Theater, New, Fe- New Works Festival. And she's got that coming up in April. So, but it's those shows that I've been seeing the most because I, I watch them in development on, in our groups. And then we watch them grow and get to this stage. You get the front row seat on everything, though. This is fun. <laughs> I, I got to keep you like in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. So, What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Hearing someone sing your songs. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's kind of mind blowing because, you know, you sit there and you sit at the piano and you sing and, or you put it on finale and you hear the playback. And then finally you get someone who actually sings it and you can listen to it and you go, did I write that? <laughs> so it's just kind of mind blowing. And, and, but, so that's in a very personal thing. I like best about theater, but the, but from this, it's the social aspect of meeting new people and making connections with people who are creative and people who care about the arts and just the wonderful friendships I've developed in the past several years, especially since I've joined these uh, two big theater groups. Um, I, I just, I'm amazed by that. I'm just, I, I, my whole little world just widened and I've just been very grateful. That is a wonderful answer. And it's a perfect lead into my favorite question, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, it was, I was, in, I, I never finished college. I went to Butler University in Indianapolis and we did, we had a Bernstein Festival and this was 76. And I, and I am that old. So we did Bernstein's Mass and I got to be in a choir for it, not the course, but the choir. And it was probably one of the most influential pieces of theater in or that it really impacted my life. There's parts of my musical that's in my head as part of that. But Bernstein gave us notes and we were all sitting on the stage and he was maybe eight feet from me. And I was absolutely enamored. I had, he had been my childhood idol. I watched all his shows growing up as a little girl. And then I had his books and I, I just wanted to grow up and be Leonard Bernstein. And, and then we were at a reception at the, at the, the last show. And as I was leaving, because I had to go do my homework. And someone called out to me as I was walking up the steps. And he says, why are you leaving so soon? The party just started. And I said, and I said I'm turning around. I'm saying, well, my mom would get mad at me if I flunk out of college. And it's Mr. Bernstein. And he says, the party's just coming. You should come back down. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's Leonard Bernstein. And I just did this incredible musical. And yeah, that sitting that close to him and meeting him and being part of that production. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is amazing. That is amazing. And for you to not only have met him, but to have gotten to work with him and perform his music in person. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Wow. And we won't tell your mom, I promise. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure she knows now. She's been long gone. So, <laughs> Well, are there any other projects or productions we might be able to plug for you that are coming down the pipeline? Well, we do, as, as you mentioned, we, we do hope to be, we're supposed to be back in New York at the end of November. We're going to do a six week run. We just don't have the contract signed. I mean, it's literally, we're, in, we're like once one thing to before the contract gets signed, it should be done today or tomorrow. So that we'll be back in New York. And I don't know without the contract signed, I can say where, but it's supposed to be a theater row. <laughs> and I also have, I'm going to try to get back hold of a friend of mine that we were working on a play that's an interactive musical based on his experience as a piano bar entertainer on a cruise ship and my experience as a, as a passenger. And we're just going to 
it's, he's going to interact like a piano show with the audience. And then the, the passengers, it's called the circle of fifths tentatively. And the passengers come in and they, they tell their stories by song, you know, why they're on the ship, what their eventually, you know, what their conflict is. And then the ship's whistle starts to go off like it did in real life for me on a ship once. And so they all had to find their resolution. So it's, um, that's something we need to go back and hopefully I'll get that done in another year and get that out there. That sounds That'd like just be pure fun. Yeah. That sounds like great fun. <laughs> well, finally, if our listeners want more information about a symphony for Portland or even about you, perhaps they want to reach out to you. How can they do that? The easiest way is just by going to just writing a symphony for Portland at gmail.com. That is my email. And they can also find a symphony for Portland.co is the website though. It's just best to reach out to me by email. I do not have the uh, website connected to uh, con- communication yet, but a symphony for Portland at gmail.com is the best way. And I try to respond to anybody who writes me. Wonderful. Well, Christina, thank you so, so much for joining me today and taking the time to tell me about this incredible show that I'm so excited. I'm marking my calendar now for later in November when it makes its triumphant return to New York and beyond of this wonderful show. And and then the next show to come after it and after it. So uh, it's really been an honor speaking with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And a shout out to Jay Michaels, my director, for uh, helping to set this up. I really, really appreciate y'all. My guest today has been the playwright, composer, and lyricist, Christina Hemphill, whose show, A Symphony for Portland, is coming back to New York later this fall. Stay tuned to Stage Whisper for the dates and venue. We'll be announcing that as soon as we get those. But in the meantime, if you want more information about the show, you can visit a symphonyforportland.co. And if you'd like to reach out to Christina for questions or even just to say, hey, you can message her by sending her an email at a symphony for Portland at gmail.com. But keep your finger on the pulse for this incredible show that such a powerful message and is doing such wonderful good. It's going to be coming to New York and hopefully many, 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 many more cities beyond by this incredible artist. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.